Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 106 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers and I am joined once again by Brian O'Grady. Brian, it's great to see you. I always enjoy our, I think they're probably monthly at this point, but whenever you come back on, it's always a treat. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. Good to be talking to you. Just like old times. And man, there's a lot that's been going on. So the timing is kind of perfect with... uh, with all the stuff that has been happening and has not been happening in baseball. Oh my God. It is like the, the last week. If you're an Orioles fan was the best. We'll talk all about that. There's so many like little storylines that are happening right now that I'd love to dive into as well. And then, yeah, there's also a lot of guys sitting out there February 5th. We're taping this. You're hearing this on the seventh. So it's like, if you're a player, I don't know. Cause pitchers and catchers are reporting in, I think it's like a week and a half, maybe middle of February. Is that is that the first day that like if you're not signed, do you feel like guys are like, oh shit, pitchers and catchers are already there? Like we should get this thing going. I've, well, this will be my first time not knowing what I'm doing so far, and yeah, it definitely feels that way. You're like, holy shit, it's already here. What am I? What am I gonna do? But I think for any anybody, it's just it's the fear of the unknown. You know, like you just rather know where you're going, you know, figure out how you're getting your car out there, or like the logistics or just everything, where you're staying. There's so many things that go into spring training too. And um, the teams usually help with all those things too, the, the travel guys. And when it gets this late and you just don't know, you kind of scramble in last minute because shit, you could be in Arizona or you could be in Florida. You don't know what's going on. So I think it definitely gets to be a little nerve wracking for anybody. I, I say this every time, but we don't think enough about the logistics, the human element. Like if you're moving with kids, especially like that's nobody really thinks about that part when it, when it comes to baseball moves. And it's, I don't know. I feel like we as a fan base should have a little more empathy and compassion. Cause that would be awful. I feel like, like the uncertainty of going into a place where, you know, you have all these, you have like people who like rely on you. And I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, it definitely makes it tough, but you know, you just, once it gets this close, you're talking pitchers and catchers report. I think like the 12th is the earliest. Maybe the Padres have guys coming on the 12th. I can't remember. But then typically the um, position players, like first real day is the 17th or 18th, something like that. And, you know, that's less than – or it's about two weeks from now. So if it takes another – week and you're still not signed like you you get signed and you're probably leaving like the next day so it's just like scramble mode you know but hey in the end you're happy you're going somewhere instead of sitting on your couch that's for sure no doubt i'm seeing february 14th is valentine's day looks like a lot of the a lot of the pitchers and catchers um we'll start there because we're here already uh a lot of the big free agents on the market are still there And, you know, you don't think about – I think I said this earlier. These guys aren't necessarily going to be, like, hurting for, like, cash. Like, they're going to get their money regardless. So it's not not that aspect of it, but, you know, the uncertainty of everything. So, yeah, you look at Snell, Montgomery, Bellinger, Chapman. It's February 5th. I went back and I looked at some older signings, but, like, do you think that as a a fan you should be like, damn, this is taking too long? Or is this – I feel like it's kind of normal for guys to drag it out into February. I think it's becoming more normal for sure than it was at least, but I think at least two of those guys are Boris clients and he's shown he's not scared to, to wait it out. My guess would be teams are thinking, wait it out and they're going to get a discount. And I'm thinking the guys are probably thinking, wait it out and someone's going to cave and pay me. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. They're all, obviously really good players and going to be on somebody's team sooner rather than later. So 
but it definitely it, it is. I don't know. I just think it's weird to be going basically to spring training and some big time free agents really have we have no idea where they're going to end up. It's yeah, and also for the guys that are already on the team, they're probably like with their fingers crossed, like please God, don't, 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 don't come here. It's like when you're sitting on the like on an airplane, and it's like you have like the middle seat that's open, and like they're yep. like they're about to close the doors. You're like, yes, I get a free. Nobody's sitting next to me, and all of a sudden, Cody Bellinger sits right next to you. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, man. There's I... definitely, definitely guys in that situation who are like, oh, this could be, you know, I got a shot here, and then yeah a big free agent or two is going to get signed. And all of a sudden you're like, shit, you're probably ending up back in AAA or whatever it is. Yeah. Or you, you think that you have a nice, you're going to coast in spring training, you know, take it easy. Like get, you know, get some light ABs in. It's like every AB is life or death now because they just <laughs> signed 300 million worth of whoever. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, Manny, Manny in San Diego signed uh, February 19th. And Harper signed in Philly on February 28th. He almost signed into March. <laughs> That's crazy. But those are like such special players and special um, situations yeah. that I don't, I don't think that'll happen this year. Um, those, those guys are really good players. Obviously Snell coming off the Cy Young and, uh, Montgomery with a you know, great postseason run and just second half run or whatever after the trade deadline to the to the Rangers and Bellinger having the uh, kind of comeback year, but you know Manny and and Harper that year were just a different kind of monster. Once in a generation free agents. Yeah, I mean that that off season was 2018-2019 off season was awesome. Um, but this offseason, money's still being spent because as of today, as of Monday when we recorded this, I'm so glad we taped on Monday because now we have something to talk about that's like big, big, impressive. Bobby Witt Jr. re-signed with the Royals for 11 years, $288.8 million. Why did they put the point eight? Side note, why, why did they put point eight at the end? That's a great question. I never even thought about that, but yeah, like why not just round it up or round it down or what's the extra 800 K for in there? Like that is pretty funny. Now that I think about it. Have you seen guys that are like, they'll, they'll have a contract. It's just like the weirdest, like non round number. I've never even really thought about it until you just said it right now. Cause it is listen, 800, 800 K is a lot of money, but <laughs> when you're talking about 288 million, and that extra like 8k is in there it's just kind of like what was that for or why didn't it go to just 289 instead yeah i don't know that's a great it's like question. an arbitration arbitration where the team and the player are fighting over like 100k yeah yeah that's that's pretty good now i'm always gonna i'm always gonna remember that non-round numbers and big baseball contracts doesn't make any sense uh so Bobby went 11, 288.8. There's team options at the end for three more years, which could bring it up to 377 over 14. So that's kind of cool. He does have an opt-out after the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and 10th years. I didn't realize there was that many opt-outs. Uh, so he'll be like 30 years old if he wants to use some of those. Um, this is a legitimate five-tool player, and I'm so glad he re-signed in Kansas City because as we'll talk about, I'm all in. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid but I wanted to hear your reaction as this thing's only a couple hours old. Man, he's a stud. Glad that he's getting paid. I think it's a great deal for both sides. It gives the Royals, um, you know, some stability and can attract some other players because of him. Also financially lets them know where they're at. I think for him, you know, worst case scenario, he's him and his family are, are set. Uh, and this is the stability thing for him too is huge. Now he can build his house in Kansas city. He can do whatever he wants, you know, and you just know that you're going to be there. It's just, I got to imagine it is such a relief aside from knowing that you're going to make all that money, but just, you know, to just know in such a fluid sport for the most part that you're going to be there and, and you can just plan on all these things, but man, he deserves it. He's a great player. Um, I'm just – it's cool to see these contracts kind of happening 
more often now. I love these like big pre-arbitration or like buy out the arb kind of deals. I feel like that. I mean, there's not that many of them that blow up. And even if, even if they do, they're on the lower side, but like Julio Rodriguez, that one kicked ass. Bobby Witt, it's going to kick ass. Like when you have a player and it's a homegrown guy and you know everything about him and he's like 23, like Bobby Witt Jr. is like, yeah, I, there's no reason why you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't play the waiting game and get close to free agency and make everybody sweat it out. Like, Ooh, is he going to resign? No. Cause this price is way higher than it was four years ago or whatever. This is so like in last year, 4.4 war. He's the only player uh, in his first two seasons to have 50 home runs and 79 stolen bases in the history of baseball. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. He, I mean, listen, his, you know, like I said, he's taken care of his family's taken care of. And on top of that, all those opt outs at the end, if he's just playing unbelievably, he can go and make even more money. So I think it's just a, it's just a win-win and, Shows the the Royals are are trying to get serious again, and and I think it's just good for baseball in general. Didn't Manny do that? Where like he signed his initial Padres deal, and then he opted out to get more money from the Padres. Is that how that went? I yeah, I think it was this year. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that long yeah, ago. This, but we, he could just do that. Season, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's if you're playing well enough, then absolutely. Um, but you just. Man, even though he's he's such a good player and obviously was a you know one of the top picks and has just been everything, you just you never know what's going to happen. Not saying about like performance, but you can get hurt. There's just so many different variables. Like to not sign up for a contract like this, I don't think guys are like that's. I think guys are going to sign these always now, and it's just like like I keep saying, I think it's just a win win, and it's good for baseball, and it's good that he's in Kansas City. It is for baseball. I so another Kansas City Royals move that kind of went under the radar. It was our guy, Adam Frazier, one year with an option for 2025, four and a half mil guaranteed. He had a career power year last year with the O's, 13 home runs. Guy was mashing it. It's an interesting situation, though, in Kansas City because the Royals have their second baseman of the future, Michael Massey. Uh, and they they very clearly told Frazier, apparently, like he's our guy you might have to do the utility corner outfield DH occasional second base kind of thing, which he was very, I think he said he was perfectly fine with. Um, here's a fun nugget. And maybe this is where your brain went to Frazier's last couple teams that he's been on have all been kind of like these upstart teams that have gone to the playoffs, the 22 M's, the 23 O's. Do you think the 24 Royals could be in that same ilk? Maybe, maybe it's the Frazier effect. Sure, why not? I think I think Frazier is, is a good clubhouse dude, and he's just a good scrappy player. He's just one of those guys you want on your team, going to get the job done, can move around, and like I said, is, is, a, is a good dude to have around. So it doesn't surprise me that those those kind of teams or any team wants them. Um, you know, I think uh, the Royals manager is, is Matt Quattrero, who I, it was the bench coach in Tampa when I was there. Great dude. Um I think their culture they're building there now is probably pretty cool, and it's just a good matchup. Frazier does not strike out. He puts the ball in play. Uh, 19% whiff percentage. That was in the 84th percentile. The you know the average hasn't been great the last couple of years. It hasn't been a traditional Frazier high 270s, 80. You know that's usually 220s, 230, something like that. But um, yeah, I think I think he's. Because remember we had him on, he was like reluctant at first in Pittsburgh to play the outfield. And now that's probably one of the reasons why he's like, you know, locking on with all these teams. It's like, oh, you can play left and right? Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, be able to move around. And I don't think, you know, when you talk about the hitting aspect, I don't, I think in Pittsburgh, he was just such a staple in that lineup every single day, no matter what, that it was the best of his abilities could come out. And, you know, there was, he had less to, to think about there because he just knew he was going to be in there playing, leading off, whatever it was. And, you know, since then, bounced around a little bit and his roles have been different. But, you know, he's still a really good hitter and a really good player, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have a good year this year. No doubt. This has been a big offseason for the Royals. They have spent more money than anybody I think thought was remotely possible on guys that are household names on some shorter kind of, you know, middle-of-the-road kind of deals – Waka, Lugo, Renfro, Hampson, Will Smith. Like they, and of course, Frazier now. 
that this has really surprised me. I didn't think they would add 20 plus mil to next year's payroll. Did you, did you see anything like this? Like, what do you think the Royals are thinking? Do you think it's like the AL Central's softer now? And they're like, hell, why not? Yeah, I think they probably just see that they have a chance to sneak in there or just they like the the value that they're getting out of those guys at, at the price points that they're getting them at. I mean, listen, Kansas, they were obviously had the, the great run of years um, not that long ago when, when Haas and all those other guys were, were over there and they won the World Series. And Kansas City, they love the Royals. I mean, that is a sports town you know, after spending some time there, Indy ball, like they, you see the chiefs, they, they care about their sports there. So when they have a good team, I think it's better. And man, you just see that opportunity. I think you got to go for it a little bit. I think Lugo and Walker, two pretty good pitchers and can kind of anchor them. And man, I think they are going to be a tough team. They're going to be scrappy and tough this year. I'm buying all the Cole Raggin stock. I can get my hands on (laughs) that guy rocks he had like a two something era when he got traded over from texas i bet they're kicking themselves about that because that would have been sick to have him in texas for the long haul uh i love it i think they have very quietly one of the best off seasons and i like i like them you know what because we'll do the probably do the preview pod before the season comes out at some point but um i hey why not why not the royals to win the al central you think the twins can do it again they had 87 wins last year this is a very winnable division i agree with you i think they're going to be scrappy i think it's tough to repeat and why can't the royals do it salvi's still there if Witt keeps getting better at the pace that he he has already i mean that's a they could definitely be a really tough team scrappy yeah it's every year there's one of those teams that adds 20 wins like the Diamondbacks did it, and then they went to the World Series the year after. The Orioles did it; they went to the playoffs after. Like, yeah, I don't. What? How many? How many wins did the Royals have last year? They had fifty six. Okay, so they they were really bad, but they didn't have Frazier. They didn't have Frazier. So, I mean, that's ten wins right there. Yeah, <laughs> at least eighty five wins this year. Yes, all because of him. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from two apparel sponsors of this podcast. The first is Zero Negative. They are a brand out to inspire and empower individuals to find a positive message in everything they do every time. They promote positivity and mindfulness in all of their products. Check them out at zeronegative.com. And last but not least, Few Will Hunt. It's one of my favorite brands out there. It's a great American company out of Philadelphia, out to restore the dignity of hard work. Is by far my favorite shirt to work out in. Check them out online at fewwillhunt.com. Now back to the episode. So we touched on the next thing I want to talk about was Blake Snell. So we mentioned him in the in the category of guys that still have yet to be signed yet. You know, the Montgomery's, the Bellingers, whatever. He turned down a very formal offer of six years, 150 from the Yankees. Uh, and then the Yankees later said, Hey, well, you know what? We'll even give you more than we gave Carlos Rodon. Uh, Snell wants nine years, $270 million. You know, how – I like Blake Snell. I think he's a great pitcher. What? How close do you think he'll get to his, uh, his asking price, or do you think it'll be smack in the middle? That's a great question. I would say – I would say at this point, my guess would be – he's going to settle for definitely less than his asking price just because of where we're at. You know, he's coming off a Cy Young year. So, and he, he, man, he can be as dominant as anybody in the league. And should he, should he get what he's asking? Yeah. I mean, he's probably worth that. Yeah. Um, Just where we're just the way it seems right now, my guess would be, he's not going to get to that point, but, you also never know. I mean, some team could just be like, shit, we can snag him for what they see as pretty good value. Maybe it's seven years and, you know, whatever. Like, I I just feel like that at some point a team is going to come along and be like, we have a chance to get one of the top starters, you know, let's do it, basically. So, and I'm sure that's kind of what him and Boris are banking on. But wherever he ends up, they're getting a pretty damn good pitcher and who knows, maybe, 
maybe maybe you don't want to play in New York. I mean, I know he's a he's a West Coast guy. Obviously, he pitched in Tampa first, and and I do know he loved Tampa, but he's been in San Diego past few years, and maybe he just loves being on the West Coast now, closer to home. I, who knows? There's obviously money talks, but there are different reasons why guys want to play somewhere or don't want to play somewhere. His last 22 starts, he never gave up more than three earned runs. A lot of zeros in there, too. I have to say, though, like, if the Yankees were to sign him, first of all, I do think I do think Blake would look pretty good in, in pinstripes, and I they would be a pretty they'd be a pretty good team if if they signed Blake Snell <laughs> too. That'd be so weird to see him in New York though after Tampa. So, oh yeah, to see where he ends up. Well, we can go there next. Uh, the Yankees are still favored to win the AL East. Uh, I, I keep looking and I'm like, I keep refreshing like the odds and I'm like, that can't be like plus 150 to win the AL East. Like, I think Ryan and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I don't know how, I don't know how anybody can look at the Yankees and say, just because they, they got Juan Soto and Verdugo and then other guys are going to get healthy that they're going to add like 15 wins onto their 82 from last year. I don't, I just don't see that. Listen, they you, Juan Soto and Aaron Judge back to back in a lineup is pretty damn good. Um, I just it, it's the same as before. I just still with the pitching, like Garrett Cole is is unbelievable, and and Rodon can definitely be dominant at times. But I, I just still to me, it, it, it's up to the pitching staff, you know, and if. I was making those odds. I think I would have Baltimore ahead of them, especially after now, you know, getting Corbin Burns. It's like, man, I, I said it to you last year when we talked about Baltimore in the playoffs that they were going to lose, but that this year they were going to be a really scary team because all those guys are young and going to, you know, get better. And they got a taste of the playoff atmosphere and all that stuff last year. So I'm definitely high on the Orioles this year. And then, man, Tampa just every year is is Tampa. Like, they're going to be right there somehow. They're probably going to be beating the Yankees because they seem to own the Yankees for the last, like, eight years. And, it, it like, man, it's, it's, it's a tough division. It is, those three teams are going to be – and then Toronto – who knows? I feel like Toronto has like the potential to be really good too. You know, will they will will that happen or not? You know, I feel like it could. I feel like they could swing big either direction. You know, um. So if I was taking the Yankees or the field, I'd probably be taking the, the field there. But also at the same time, if if Soto and Judge both are playing like MVPs, I mean. I think Soto might hit about 60 homers there in that Don't short course that. to please, right. Please stop saying that. I've Dude, already ran through. He's like the most Yankee guy. <laughs> I, like, I feel like he's, when I see him in, the, in pinstripes hitting at that short porch and right, it's just going to be like a match made in heaven. Like, it's just perfect. Guy can't play defense or uh, run, the, run, the, run the bases. How about Salty that, Nationals huh? fan. <laughs> he was my favorite player. <laughs> I like. I went to his very first. I I saw him hit his very first home run in 2018. I was there. It was like in the fifth row. I'm like, this is my guy. And now I have to watch him in the Bronx. He's probably gonna have cool sunglasses on and just do cool shit all day. I have Dude. to nitpick him to make myself feel better. I don't love it. We were, uh, you know, we talked about that immaculate grid where I was like the lowest percentage in the history of the immaculate grid, <laughs> and. Uh, that year with the Padres, for whatever reason, in like in AAA, we had like no outfielder. I never, I only played outfield, even though I always played first base too. Like we just had a ton of infielders, no outfielders. Haas was playing first in the big leagues. Like I was just playing outfield. And that game, we kicked the shit out of the Nationals. And I ended up at first somehow because they took Haas out. And I'm like, I hadn't taken a ground ball. Like I had, well, that's not true. I was taking ground balls. But I hadn't seen one in the game since, like, spring training. And I'm like, fuck. And 
Juan Soto, we were, we're up like 20 runs, literally. It was like 24 to two. And I'm first, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty. I could, I'm pretty sure he hit a homer to right field. That was like, I'm like, oh, shit. Like one of those off the bat where it's just like, what? And then uh, I think it was that same game. I could could be mixing it up. It could have just been the series. But I was only at first once, so I think it was the same thing. I'm pretty sure he hit a line drive right off our pitcher's ass. I think it was Nabil Krismat. And I was just standing, and he came to first, and I'm like, God, I'm just glad he didn't hit one of those in my face, you know? Like, they, they were hit way too hard. And then, um, yeah, he tried to stretch a single into a double when I was in center later in the game and threw him out. So, it's all good. My bad. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he can he can hit. He can hit. Can't field, though. <laughs> Yeah, you think it's yeah, it's funny now, but then wait till he bobbles a ball or like fucks it up in the corner and you know gives up the winning run. Yeah, how about how about it then, Yankee fans? Hey man, he won a he won a World Series in Washington. I know it was so cool. <laughs> I just miss him so much. Oh, life's tough. Yeah, you can't always get what you want. Um, nope. But we got the Orioles. How about them, dude? They got Corbin Burns for D.L. Hall, Joey Ortiz, and we can apparently trade draft picks now, so they got the 34th pick going back to the Brewers. Um, that was a top-five day of my life. Uh, and then they got the new owner like the day before, so it was like the coolest week ever. Um, this is a Michael Elias masterclass trading for – it's one year of Corbin Burns, but what a year it will be. Uh, this was the need that was staring him in the face all winter. Uh, does this take a 101-win Orioles team and make them even better? 101 wins is a whole lot of wins. I don't know if they're going to win more than that, but do I think they're going to be a better team? I do, and I think they're a scarier team in the playoffs for all the reasons I just said a minute ago. All those guys are older, more experienced, probably throwing Jackson Holiday into the mix there at some point. Um, you know, Gunnar Henderson, they, they, just, they have dudes. Uh, they're going to be really good. And now they have a framework for extensions for Gunnar Henderson and maybe Jackson Holiday if he rakes uh, from Bobby Witt. So I do. I like them. I would like them to win the AL East. And they would probably, if I had to pick right now, I'd probably take them as my pick to at least go to the World Series for the for the AL. I would love nothing more. In front of the program, it'd be we cool want- to see, man. It would we be want Ryan O'Hearn to do well. Cool. Oh yeah. Cool. O'Hearn's a guy now. I missed O'Hearn, but he's a he's a great dude and he can hit too. I'm glad he glad he, he's kind of found a home. Um but they're man, they are they are for real. If Burns pitches like like he can, that's a that's a scary team. And we'll see what uh listen to Adam Jones talk about him. Yes. Shout out. I this, I here's my thing though, I still think they need more pitching depth. I still th- like they need more like starting pitching depth because this move was great. Don't get me wrong; it pushed everybody down in the rotation to the spot where I feel more comfortable. Like Bradish, I love is number two. Grayson is he'd be a second year, so yeah, I would like him to not be have to think like he's an ace. Like pitch pitch your heart out, dude. But like we don't need you to be the rock. We got two other ones. Um, and then they have John Means coming off of surgery, and they have Dean Kramer, who's who's good, but. Um, I would like one more pitcher. I don't know how that would work, or maybe I don't know where you would play, but I think pitching depth, I feel like because you how many starting pitchers realistically do teams go through in a year? You need like seven or eight, don't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you hope it doesn't come to that, but yeah, I would say seven or eight is probably you, you're gonna need at least two other guys that you can throw out there and, and you need to be somewhat reliable. So, yeah, if they could go out and, and sign one of the, one of the free agents left or, or something like that, I mean, Means was also nasty. I know he's he's been hurt and everything, but he he had a good run there too. So, but yeah, it never hurts to have a ton of starting pitching. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I, that's this might be nitpicking. This might be like Juan Soto can't run the bases in terms of like problems to have. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think now that they have Burns, maybe get some more depth in there. Uh, also, here's a Burns fun fact. 
if they let if they let Corbin Burns walk, they get a compensation pick that's roughly the same as the as the draft pick they traded to the uh, Brewers. I didn't. When when did we when could we start trading draft picks? I didn't know this was a thing. Honestly, I think like two years ago or so. Like it recently, they changed it. It's like yeah, I guess I guess they want to be like the NFL because I feel like yeah. Wouldn't you be able to you know? Do you remember what they did to Trey Turner when he was a Padre? No. Well, the Nationals traded. I think they tried it when they. It was like a three-team deal somehow with like Tampa and the Padres and the Nationals, and uh, and the Nationals got Trey, but he had his rights were still owned by the Padres, so he had to play in the Padres. It was like probably like Fort Wayne or something for like two months before he could officially be eligible to become traded to the Nats. So no shit, I don't remember that. I mean, I I know he was traded by the Padres, but I don't remember. That that's crazy. I I forget if they traded like the pick, like if they like traded the pick before they drafted him, or something. I don't know, I have to go back and look at it, but that's one of the weirdest. Like, whenever you get like a three team trade, it never makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a it's a weird scenario. I don't really know how they approach each other about all that, but that if those if that's if you're right and yeah, Turner was like traded but had to play. Yeah, in the Padres system for two months. That's crazy. <laughs> it's like awkward. It's like I'm not gonna be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awkward for him. Um, it's awkward for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like why can't I just can I just go over there now, please? Yeah. Um. Then I, I wanted to also ask you about uh the Padres' rival, the Dodgers. So Mookie Betts was at Dodger Fest, which is such a cool name. Um, he had a quote that went viral on Twitter, which for sure will not be used against him later this year he said quote every game is going to be the other team's world series it is what it is how do you think he'd like to have that one back yes and no i think it's well you know when someone's asking about your own team it's hard to not say good things about your team you know but at the same time it's just giving more ammo to everybody else and yeah it our the Dodgers probably going to get most teams' best shot throughout the season, or the team's going to be more pumped to beat beat the big bad Dodgers. Yeah, probably, but um, you know, it's just that it's that fine line of like talking talking up your team, but not saying too much to really sound like you know a jerk or piss other teams off, basically. But at the end of the day, man. He's probably just speaking the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, they obviously I listen, they got Otani, they went out and got glass now. I mean, they were already um Yamamoto. Wait, yeah, and Yamamoto they got the, they win the NL West like how many years, past couple of years, but they haven't done really anything in the playoffs. So twenty twenty wasn't World Series, but it's been a lot of early exits, and the Diamondbacks beat them last year, who's their own division rival. So, um, the Dodgers can win 115 games during the regular season, and it won't mean anything unless they win the whole thing. That's a good point. I also don't count the 2020 World Series victory for them. That was me either. Yeah, <laughs> it robbed you of a ring. Right back there. <laughs> is that the World Series jersey? Yeah, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. That's you can't, sick. The patches, the patches, like in the the uh, ceiling fan light. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Damn. I was. What could have been? What could have been? You had a ring. Mean, Would you have gotten a ring if they won? Yeah, yeah right? I got the, You're on the team. The, yeah, the AL championship ring is right over there. I'm surprised that's more not more prominently displayed in your home. Yeah, but no, during the World Series, I was I was sitting in the, the suite with Nate Lowe and a couple other guys watching. <laughs> was Fleming on the team, or was he with you guys? He might have pitched in the Flem- World Series now. I think, think Flem was in the bullpen. Yeah. Shane was, too. Shane debuted in the playoffs. It was like – it was – who were the extra guys there? It was like me, Nate – Wanda Franco, um, Vidal Bruhan. Who were the pitchers? I don't remember who the Boz? pitchers were. Boz didn't come to the 
to the, like the playoffs or to the World Series at least. I can't remember the pitchers. Lefty Sean Armstrong. Uh, Sean Gilbarton. Um, no. I can't remember who the other pitchers were. Were you guys it was all only, just sitting? It was like seven of us. Yeah, so we were like, because it was still COVID, so it was like if somebody tested positive or whatever, like we had to be there, and so we would just work out on the field earlier in the day, go back to the hotel, go back for the game. It was just a whole crazy, crazy times, crazy times. It's a shame you couldn't sit in the dugout. They wouldn't, you can only have a certain amount of people in the dugout, but it was, uh, it was still cool. It was, Obviously yeah. not as good, but still cool. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you batted 400 that year. People forget. They can't they take did. that away from you. They can't. They cannot do it. Two for I five. tell people that all the time. I was Double. like, Brian batted 400 for them. You can only, you know, you can only do what you can do. <laughs> uh, are the Dodgers the new evil empire? Have they taken that from the Yankees? Because they spent $1.1 billion this offseason. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people, especially now, probably want to see the Dodgers fail. I think a lot of people still like seeing the Yankees fail, but yeah, after you just the amount the amount of talent the Dodgers have is pretty ridiculous. Let's be honest, but you know that's a beautiful thing about baseball is that does not guarantee you shit, and we'll find out. <laughs> I think one of my favorite tweets was after they signed it was either Yamamoto or Otani. It was like who can stop the Dodgers, and everybody was like probably an eighty-eight win wild card team. <laughs> yeah, but it's so true. I mean, you know, it's. Baseball doesn't make any sense, man. It really doesn't. So we'll see. I they're gonna be really good. They definitely are. But when the playoffs come, Corbin, you know, Corbin Carroll's gonna hit a couple homers against them or something and send them home. <laughs> yeah. I mean Diamondbacks are still there. Same team. Like just about, yeah. yeah. Minus a couple guys, yeah. It's it, they they very much could be pushing the Dodgers all year again, which this podcast is hoping for. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not for Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the Original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The Original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in store, guaranteeing a delicious product. So stop by and let them know that Not for Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. A couple last last things. Uh, Tommy Pham will stick in the NL West. Tommy Pham, I don't, so I saw this on Twitter and like, I don't, it's like he's he's rumored to have said he wants to come back to the Padres. Um, I was reading today that apparently eight teams are interested in his services. Do the Padres do reunions? I know some teams are very much like, they just don't do that. I think Tommy can still swing the bat pretty well, so someone's gonna someone's gonna sign him. Um, Tommy is in great shape and works as hard as anybody I've ever seen. He t- probably takes more swings than anybody I've ever seen. I, I know for a fact he's he's traveled around this off season, you know, trying to get better at hitting. Um, he never, he never stops. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So I think Tommy really liked San Diego and obviously there's still a lot of those dudes there that, um, you know, he was, he was buddies with and the Padres have a need in the outfield right now. So I think it, that, that rumor just kind of makes sense. They, they fit. So we'll see what happens here, here soon, but man, Tommy, Tommy can hit and, you know, you know you're going to get 100% from Tommy every day. No doubt. I, his numbers last year were good. Like, I also 22 steals, 16 homers. He batted 256, had some really good at-bats in the postseason with the Diamondbacks. He uh, he did say, though, I don't view myself as a platoon player. Uh, I still want to play every day. Which, he, yeah, I think he probably has earned that right with the numbers he's still putting up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his splits are, but I don't – remember any like glaring can't hit righties or whatever but yeah uh teams some teams just 
that's kind of the way they think. But Tommy can Tommy can hit. That's all I know, and he's going to be playing somewhere. I hope so. Eight teams. That is awesome. That's that's got to be so cool to be like, yeah, your agents like, oh man, we are the phone is buzzing off the hook right now. Uh, that's cool. I pull up the Padres depth chart. Here's their starting outfield as of today. It's Tatis and right. Jose Owascar. Did I pronounce that right? I hope so. Uh, he's in. He's in. Yeah. Azocar. Azocar. Sugar. Fuck. Okay. He was in, he's the center he was fielder. Triple A was there. And uh, Cal Mitchell is your left fielder as of today. Uh, this is according to Fangraphs projections. Um, and Matt Batten's apparently starting at third. So shout out. <laughs> Batten's the Batten's the best. Azokar yeah. and Batten were with me at AAA. There, they didn't they didn't debut that year. They didn't debut until I left. But they're both really good dudes. I uh, yeah, that's Batten I, was like make... a Batten was like a thirtieth rounder from like Quinnipiac or something, and just like grinded. Just a he's just a grinder. Good good infielder, just grinds out of bats. Man, he's he's just he's a quality human. 30 second round. I didn't realize they had thirty three round. rounds. <laughs> yep, and I think Azokar played pretty well for them. Actually, or has he's he can run um, and swung the bat decent, decent for him. Another good dude. Nice. Right, what? Hey, you know what? I'm not closing the door on a Tommy Fam reunion. Um, all right, two last. We'll do two fun things to end. MLB Network tweeted this the other day. They were like, "Which play?" It was like, "Which player?" past or present who whose swing could you watch all day long and i mean like the easy one is like a lefty like ken griffey jr like that's that's easy like that's no thought required i would like to go active player and if you could do a righty i definitely appreciate it because righties get no love in terms of sweet swing conversation god yeah the first thing that came to my mind was was ken griffey jr and Two other ones I love that I just I have to throw out there: Josh Hamilton and Carlos Gonzalez might be my favorite. He, God, his bat drop when he used to hit nukes at Coors Field was just was perfect. But God, present day man, there's so many. I appreciate so many swings. Just there's so many different like aesthetically pre- pleasing swings because they're they're all just so individual. You know, like no two are the same. I love I love Harper. Um, I love Castellanos. I love Manny and Tatis. Tatis is I, I really like Tatis to swing. Um, there's I mean there's so many to pick one. A righty for you when when Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is hot and doing that toe tap and swim. Man, that that thing is that thing's nice. So I'll, I'll I, go. That's my writing for you. I had two righties. One I had a question about. I was watching a video about Nolan Arenado, and they're like, obviously righty. He lets the ball travel, and he just whips the bat through. But his like when he like hits the ball, he'll have like a he'll be like fully standing up and like leaning over the plate. Um, I don't get how that's comfortable or how he can let the ball just basically hit the catcher's mitt when he swings the bat. Um. As, as a non-baseball player, I'm like, how, why, dude? Why, just catch it out front. Stop that. He, uh, if you go back and watch, like I've seen a clip of him hitting in high school and it's like basically the same swing. Like that's just always how he's hit. Like his, he, it looks like he really exaggerates like his head down watching the ball, you know, or like trying to keep his head in there. And the clip I saw him hit in high school is, is basically the same. I think he's just, that's just always kind of been his swing. I guess if it works, yeah, don't change it. it that's a fun one. I also yeah. like – I like Mike Trout's swing a lot. I know it's not pretty, the two-handed finish, like quick through the zone. I've always appreciated Mike Trout's swing. Um, I don't know. You just don't – I feel like you don't see that many like short two-handed swings anymore. Yeah. I think it just – Whatever comes more natural. There was one, I, I forgot one I do love too. Is another righty, Justin Turner. I love his swing. Um, nice and smooth and athletic. There, man. There's there's a million of them, but um, I appreciate I appreciate a, a whole bunch of them. 
there's a video of Adley uh, swinging just like the biggest daddy hack of all time from like the side angle. And uh, it's some, I think somebody made a gif out of it. So I'll just sit there for like a minute. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I got a ton on my phone saved of all different, all different guys. Just it's, like a massive uppercut. Man, it's just fun to see how different guys get it done, you know? Yeah, you're right, because everybody's a little bit different. It's like snowflakes. Or like, there's no like one-size-fits-all approach. Like Everybody's bat angle and path and like toe-tap, yeah. leg kick. Like It's so cool. Yeah, guys, I think all the really good hitters get to like similar positions, end up in similar positions. Um, but as far as how they start, <clears throat> how they start, you know, their stance and just their rhythm and um, how it looks is is totally unique to each guy. Basically, as a kid, did you ever have one in the backyard? I always was Gary Sheffield. I could never figure yeah. out how to swing. I mean, that was mine. <laughs> I think everyone did Sheffield. Sheffield, God, Bonds, Griffey. I loved all those guys. Who, uh, Craig Council was, yeah. Up here. Craig Council, <laughs> yeah, all the way up there was always fun. Euclid, Kevin Euclid. I don't know how he ended up hitting like that. That's still crazy to me. But, yeah, yeah man, that's, uh, played a lot of wiffle ball growing up and was doing all sorts of impressions of, of people playing that. You never get the timing right when you're sitting there waggling the bat. Like I would always, I would have the pitch would come, it would be in the wrong spot. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I saw a clip he was trying to teach. I don't know if it was his son or if it was just another kid on his son's team or something. Like he was trying to tell him how he did it. And I was listening. I'm like, I just, I can't do that. Yeah. Some guys like the bat tip like that. And some, you know, some guys just, it's all different style and, and timing, man. Sheffield had that that timing right there. I took him forever to figure it out. Yeah. Um, the last one. Uh, I had this as kind of like a top five, but I'll, I'll go to you first. This is players you'd want to grab a beer with. Um, you're in a unique position because you could do teammates and non-teammates. Yeah, so Nate Lowe was definitely we – had, we had fun. Um, so that was one teammate that I was, I was with. Um, my, my number one who, you know, non-teammate is, uh, Matt Stairs, if you remember who that is, um, Philly's legend, cause he hit an absolute nuke against the Dodgers, uh, pinch hit bomb against the Dodgers and NLCS way back in God, I was in high school. So this was like, I forget right. if it was the year that it was either 08 when they, when they ended up, I think it was 08 when they won the world series but he had a pinch hit absolute bomb and like in my head he was you know short thick dude and in my head he took i mean hacks he took hacks and (laughs) in my head how it happened was he didn't like he was just sitting there all game didn't take one swing and charlie manuel was like matt you're hitting and he just like took one warm-up swing and went out there and just took the biggest hack he could and almost hit it out of dodger stadium (laughs) <laughs> and apparently that is like basically what happened. He was just sitting there all game watching and went out there and hit a bomb. But he looks like he can he looks like he can drink some beers and probably has some pretty good stories. That's a great one. I that's so my criteria for like dudes I want to drink a beer with, it's like you have to be able to tell good stories or just like be a good vibes like all around guy. Uh so here are my I guess you can call it top five. Here here are the top five players I'd want to grab a beer with. Um Max Scherzer, I know that doesn't immediately jump off the page as let's drink with him, but I feel like you'd have a fuck ton of stories. And also, one of my all-time favorite interviews, I think it was in 21 when he was with the Dodgers, he was trying to do a post-game interview. He didn't have a shirt on. He couldn't figure out the like microphone. And he, I think he just gave up and said, I'm drunk. So, <laughs> guy puts him down. I feel like that'd be a fun time. Um, Rich Hill. I, I don't know. I, I, what I know about Rich Hill is he pitched forever. He played on like 100 different teams. He had the nickname of Dick Mountain, and he had it on his jersey, so he's probably, you know, probably some kind of funny. Um, I feel like he just have some really good stories. Like, hey, your first at-bat or first pitcher or guy you struck out is like Miguel Cabrera or something. That's kind of cool. He's probably he's a Michigan guy, so, yeah, that might be a fun one. I saw Garrett Stubbs in the postseason where a Budweiser heavy, like, case as a hat and had overalls with a pouch for beer 
I mean, what else, what else do I need to say? That's like, he's like an all time vibes guy. I would, I would like to grab a bud heavy with Garrett Stubbs. Um, Joey Votto. I doubt he drinks, but if he ever wants to get like a, like a kombucha or like a green juice, I will sit and listen to Joey Votto all day. All of his interviews are fantastic. Uh, and my number one is Adley Rutschman. I feel like we would just sit and quote the show. I think you should leave back and forth to each other. Um, I, and also one of my all time favorite memes is so the Orioles clinched the postseason or they clinched the AL East. And then the next day he was scratched because of an illness and they cut to him <laughs> in the dugout and he was the most hungover anybody's ever been. So I feel like that's just, that's just a good time. <laughs> Those are some good ones. I did forget uh, Tim Hill was another good teammate that um, had a beer with. He's, he's a gem now, now on the white Sox, but just a, Funky lefty sidewinder, crazy dude. It's just he's a good dude. He's not. That's a good yours. One. That's yours and Strom's guy, right? Yeah. Yep. Him and Strom were, were buddies. I think Strom said he wore twenty five because of Tim Hill. <laughs> he probably did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he came. I think that's because I was like, why do you wear twenty five? That's like a first baseman number. And he's like, my best friend. You know, he, he likes number five, and also he's like, I like Tim Hill. So <laughs> I think Tim wears twenty five. Um, yeah, they. They were good. They were with each other in uh, Kansas City before San Diego too. So yeah, they're they're pretty tight. But they're both they're both they're both good ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, also. Did you know that this past year in Philly was the first year Matt Strom and Hosmer have not been teammates? No way, really. That's great. KC, what it was KC San Diego Boston? I feel like a missing one. Um. Yeah, he's just always been he's always been with Eric Hosmer. That's funny. I did not know that. I miss Hosmer. Hope he's doing okay. I say this every time his name comes up. I'm just I'm always just like, whatever you're doing out there, man. Hope you're doing good. <laughs> I think Hos is I think Hos is doing all right. He's hanging he's out in Miami. So much money. Being a dad and Manny's Manny's wife's pregnant now, so they're probably hanging out and it's uh I'm sure I'm sure Haas is doing just fine. Thank you, as always, for coming back on. We'll have to do like a, uh, I don't know, the season starts in what, Mar- end of March? So between now and then, we have to do a preview. Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks for, for having me back on, and yeah, I'll be back soon. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.